zero and we are live welcome everyone to the feel inspired podcast my name is amit soda your amazing delectable host and today i got an extra special episode something a little bit different as well which is fantastic we always love a little bit different we love quirky we love out there um and I have an incredible guest. And today's a little bit different as well because uh, she and I go way back. And actually, funny enough, I think I was just thinking about it before we uh, started uh, today, uh, started the live today, which was obviously how we met. And uh, Vishali and I met uh, as we were both crewing for Tony Robbins back in 2007. Mm -hmm. And I remember that because I remember I went back in 2006 and then I went back as a volunteer when I, we met. We met um, at 2006. I met Lena, who's a friend of ours, who's no longer with us, sadly. But anyway, I met Lena and I was walked up to her and I said, uh, you know, how did you get to crew? And she kind of like giving this little bit of a blank stare type of thing, like was like, oh, I don't know, just applied through some website and then that was it. And then, um, but then after that, when I volunteered the next year, we all became friends, including Lena as well. We all became really good friends. And so, um, so yeah, I was just thinking about that. And I was thinking about how far we've all come since then as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, but yeah, so anyway, without further ado, let's kick off. Welcome everyone once again, like I said, to the Feel Inspired podcast. This is the, the go-to place to be inspired in your day-to-day -day life. Um, this is episode 47 as well, so I'm very much approaching that big milestone of 50 episodes. Um, but today I wanted to bring Vishali on as well because she's done quite a number of different things, actually. We'll get to the TED stuff a little bit later, and of, of which being a TEDx speaker is one of them. Um, but she does a number of different things. She is a coach as well. She's into marketing uh, and a number of different other different things. So, uh, so I wanted to bring her on today so we could just dig into her brain, kind of tease out as much information as we possibly can while we're here so uh, without further ado welcome to the feel inspired Podca podcast episode 47 with shirley it's a pleasure oh, to have you here thank you Amit. it's such a pleasure to be here and uh, i love the recap that you did on uh how we met and how we became friends and yeah it's been it's been a while we had such a great time as well um really such a great environment to meet in and uh you know volunteering and um, making a difference to other people at Tony Robbins, doing the firewalk and getting all G'd up. And it was, it was uh, such an amazing time. I just, I I don't, I, do you remember, were we at that one as well, where we ended up doing the fire eating as well? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was so scared. Oh, I my God. And I closed my eyes, so I nearly burnt my um, eyelashes because I was so scared. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, what's interesting about that, we, we obviously, you actually have like a crew leader, right? So in in that case, I don't know if Steve Lind is still around. Hey, Steve, if you are. But I remember him well, he was our crew leader. And we sort of snuck around the back. And we were sort of under those stairs at the XL and stuff. And we ended up doing this fire eating thing. And like Vishali said, I was as nervous as hell as well. Like, you know, I, you know, I'm not really a fan of fire. We've done fire walking, but fire eating was another thing altogether. And I don't know if you remember this as well. One of the guys who did the fire eating, because you have this metal stick and the little furry marshmallow thing, and you like that. You dip it in alcohol and you like that. One guy actually put it in his mouth, and that furry thing stayed in his mouth, and he took it out. And he's like, and then everyone realized, where's the thing? Is it still in your mouth? Is it like, you know, it must be burning you? Uh, but he was absolutely fine in the end. But um, what a great experience that was to do stuff like that. And not only that, you know, for um, and anyone who's never, who's probably possibly been to a Tony Robbins or, or not, you know, it's um, when you do UPW, it's like a four day event, right? So even at the event itself, it's very intensive. Generally speaking, you, you're arriving at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, it goes on till at least 10, 11 at night. And, you know, and even then it sometimes carries on even longer. But when you're crewing, it's another level altogether, isn't it? You're, you're mm -hmm. up at, you know, 6 a.m. at least, if not earlier than that. And then you're, you know, not usually in bed till about 12, one o'clock. And you're doing that for five days straight. Yeah. and it's so intensive but you come away so energized and feeling so good and so um so yeah so um yeah so I just, I just had all these fond memories anyway but I thought I would just mention that because obviously like I said we go way back maybe that's 15 years ago as well gosh it sounds like such a long time ago I know right no, it's brilliant. I re, um, you know, I remember you, Amit, as being someone really inspiring because you you had, you were writing this blog and you were a life coach. And I'd never even heard of a blog and a, what a life coach was. And I remember, um, you know, you were doing a lot of work with young kids. And, uh, you know, I thought that was quite admirable what you were doing with um, like being a mentor for young children and then raising money for 
uh, a young uh, guy for a wheelchair. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you introduced me to this whole world of like things that I hadn't even heard of from my very straight corporate uh, <laughs> lifestyle, you know what I mean? <laughs> Bless. Oh, you got good memory though. Yeah. I mean, you know, I started doing the, the, the blogging thing along. It's been, it's been, you know, 17 years now since mm. I started that blog. Uh, and obviously been coaching for even longer than that um but um but yeah i think uh, i remember that as well we ended up doing the, the the children's class there as well didn't we we looked after the kids there as well while we we're at uh, tony robbins especially during the dickens process that's where they get all the kids to leave and then we ended yeah. up looking after the kids um <coughs> but it was so it was so much fun though so enjoyable um so i wanted to pick your brain about loads loads of things actually but let's start from not from the beginning like as in when you were born but as in like let's start from how you got to the point where you are today um like you know do like you know of course being a tedx speaker um from where you were so what kind of path did you follow like from the tony robbins days and all of that kind of stuff you know being just working in a corporate environment to where you are now like what what got you to this point you know and obviously you love traveling you do improv and you do a whole whole host of other things as well so what got you to this point what made you choose this path um do you know what i was just thinking about how do i tell you how did i choose the path and the fact is I kind of stumbled upon things as you know as I went along because I, I wasn't born and and thinking at 10 years old I want to be a TEDx speaker it you know it wasn't even in my realm then it wasn't even something that I even thought I could do it was someone that was on a pedestal that does that kind of stuff right but I remember like being a young kid and thinking I want to be like Mother Teresa Right. I was really inspired by the difference that she was making to others and how the media portrayed her. And I thought, oh, that's a that's a nice thing to do. And then I went into went to school and I remember I thought, oh, yeah, I, I might want to be a counsellor because, you know, counsellors help people. And I quite like that. And then uh, when I was at school, I really um, I used to always get up, even in in assemblies. I'd be shaking from infant school to high secondary school to university I'd be shaking but I'd still put my hand up get on stage and read something in assemblies and I might look down and not look up but at least I was on that stage and I read something or I remember taking part in school plays and um you know I was in Cats and I was in uh, Oliver Twist I was the person that gave the food and when Oliver said do you want more like I want more and I went more and you know so I was always someone that was like I guess I was a performer maybe not always confident or a self-expressed but I always put my hand up to take those opportunities to be on stage um and I remember a teacher saying to me you got a big mouth you'd be really good in marketing and it just everything <laughs> that everything through high school to uh college to university became about marketing um, would I have chose it as a young child? I don't know, but I think I was quite influenced by that comment. And uh, so I w- there I went into a whole career of marketing, um, very influenced by a couple of my cousins, both from the US. Uh, one's, one was training to be a doctor and one, she was an entrepreneur, you know, and, um, but they were both used to travel and a lot. And when I, whenever they came to London, I always felt very drawn to their way of being because they're very open, non-judgmental, lively, you know, and I just liked that kind of whole way of being. And when they used to talk about traveling to these different countries, I would just get so elated and excited. And, you know, it would always be in the back of my mind, like, I can't wait to go there. I can't wait to see that because I'm definitely someone that's very curious and loves to see, uh, learn and, and to see things. And, um, so I was very inspired by them. I remember that thinking, oh, I want to live by myself and I want to travel the world and I want to have a, 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 you know, be um, successful in my career. So they really influenced, I was really influenced by them. Um, and then uh, I got to my 20s and I always took corporate, I was in the corporate world because that's kind of what you what you do, where in my culture, my conditioning, all of that, it was 
Um, you know, we go to from college to university, university to a job, and if it's in the corporate world, great. And if you're a doctor or a lawyer or or this, you're like you made it, you know. But I was like going down the marketing route, and um, I remember um, just loving. Uh, working for international companies where I got to talk to lots of European teams or lots of global teams. My God, if I ever got to work with South America, I was so ecstatic because that was a place I wanted to go to. And um, so then what happened was um, I uh, would like travel through work and and go to all these places. And I really loved it, really enjoyed it. Um, So at this point still, none of the TEDx stuff or um, coaching or anything, any of that was uh, was there for me in my realm. And I got to about 20, I got to the end of my 20s and I was in a job I didn't like. Uh, our friend, our mutual friend, Lena, had passed away. I had just done a, a, a solo travel trip to Japan uh, to someone I was set up on a date with and, uh, all the way in Japan, because I was only the crazy person that would ever do something like that. Um, And I came back from there thinking, I can do this. Like, when I was in Japan, I was like, wow, people are so friendly. I was literally stood at the train station looking at a map because I didn't know how to navigate. And these Japanese people came up to me and said, hey, can I help you? And at this point, I was like, so surprised. Like, these are strangers and they want to help me. And I think before I was probably had a very distrusting nature of strangers, very suspicious nature. But I was like, oh, wow. And it just that moment was so pivotal, because it made me believe that there are generous people in the world. There are nice strangers in the world. And I can totally do this. And when I say do this is I always wanted to travel throughout my 20s, but I never did it because there was always work, you know, uh, you know, you can't leave work to go traveling. The perception is it's, it's not a responsible thing to do, right? So, um, but I got to this point and I thought, like, life's too short. My friends just died. Uh, what am I scared of? I just did a tr- two-week trip and saw the world is, world is friendly and there's so much to see and do. So I, I decided that I was going to go and I went to India for a month and I just traveled around and went to villages with with my aunt and um, just saw a very different side of India, um, which I liked because it was very simple, very simple village life, which was great. Um, And then I came back and I booked to go to China and I was there for six months teaching English in a country that I knew nothing about because I wanted to go somewhere where no one knew me and I knew no one and I knew nothing. So I could just be, one of the one of the greatest things about that was I could be anything there then because I didn't have to be any, um, I didn't have to play any role. Like I didn't have to be a daughter. I didn't have to be the sister, the aunt, the niece. I didn't have, these roles have expectations. And I didn't have to be any of those when I was out there. I was literally like, literally this blank canvas of who am I going to be in this situation? Oh, I'm normally shy, but can I can I just be a bit adventurous? Can I just like try this? And it was brilliant because it actually felt like the first week of freshers at university, which I never did. <laughs> so I felt like my whole four months was this one whole long week of freshers week stretched out. Um, and I put myself in situations like teaching English to uh, classes of 55 kids that I'd never done before um, and just discovered how best to do that with the, with the students, uh, pushed the boundaries a little bit, taught them about Mr Bean and, and Christmas, which, you know, you're not supposed to, but hey, um, sometimes you've got to teach them what they need to know because they were going to be coming to countries like the UK and America and need to blend in with the culture. So I pretty much did my own thing with them, which was brilliant. Um, And then I went to Australia for a year and um, I lived out on the West Coast and uh, traveled a lot of um, the country on my own and then went to 
New Zealand. And New Zealand was amazing because I did a road trip with a girl that I just met in Tasmania, who we both decided we wanted to do a road trip. So we met in Auckland. And then on that, the day that we met there, we said, you know what, we should probably get a third person to split the petrol costs. So I jumped online, found couch surfing, put a message on there, we're looking for someone, does anyone want to travel? And this American girl said, hey, I'd like to, I'm having a party tonight, come and, come and meet me. So we went to the, we went that evening to her party. We met her, we liked her. The next day, the three of us were at the car garage, hired the car, and off we went for a month. We were on this road trip. And this American girl had taught us about couch surfing and how we can stay at people's homes for free and get to know them. And they get to know us. And that's it. So literally, uh, I we road tripped around New Zealand and then we couch surfed. And we met the most incredible, interesting families who lived in different ways. Like one person lived on top of a like a cliff and they had like probably about 50 animals. Um, and they seemed to have room for all four of us because we picked up a hitchhiker on the second, on the South, South Island, which I'd never done before. Uh, this guy from uh, America, we decided, you know what? We want to split our petrol costs even more. So we saw this guy and we're like, should we pick him up? He's like, yeah, okay. So he decided to join us. We thought we might need a bit of protection. Uh, so we picked him up and then we, off we went. And we always found homes that catered for all four of us. And we all had rooms. We never had to sleep on a couch. And we met the most incredible families that wanted to learn about us and our cultures and our backgrounds. And all we did was cook for them as a way of exchange. And it was brilliant. And I'd learned to trust other people through that process it was and like never judge and be open and I I remember coming back from that trip a completely different person and thought I can't I don't really want to do the whole corporate thing I'm going to try all I had at that time in my head was teaching and so I thought yeah I want to teach and so I started to go into schools and sit down and I was thinking I know I want to teach but this doesn't it just doesn't feel like I can stay in a classroom all day, especially the one after lunch break and teach. <laughs> it's felt really like, no, I'm not sure about this. So then I ended up going back into the corporate world for a bit. And then I started doing um, some personal development work uh, with a company called Landmark. And through that, I realized I really enjoyed coaching. And I thought, oh, this is it. This is what I really enjoy doing. This is what I really like. And I was doing that for six, seven years there. And I started to um, build up a clientele from that because it was something I was good at. And I stepped into some healing work as well. So I was doing healing. I was doing coaching. I'm still doing it now. And um, was really enjoying it. And one of the things that I discovered was through the work was this question that one of the the global leaders at the company asked me he said what lights you up I was like what he said what lights you up and I thought I don't know I don't know what lights it he was what lights you up what what inspires you what sets you free and I thought I don't know, like travel, but I don't know. And I remember going to the park one day, sitting down and asking myself, what lights you up, Vishali? What inspires you? What makes you feel free? And when I reflected back to my childhood, it was always sort of linked to the creative arts. So art, dance, drama, I used to watch Top of the Pops and get really excited, you know, like... <laughs> Anything <laughs> we, may, like, we, have, we may have to explain that one to the international audience, possibly. <laughs> Carry okay, on. So Talk of the Pops is this show that used to come on once a week, and they'd have all these people um, who had singles or albums out um, in the charts, and they'd come on and they'd sing, but it was like such a UK icon at the time. Um, until you know they realize that it's basically the uk version of the chart show on tv basically was what it was not it like you know all the number one artists top artists the top 40 that's what it was on tv though yeah it was brilliant i, I would sit there mesmerized and then i'd watch anything sort of live shows live theater live music anything was just like it gave me a buzz it, it felt like it gave me energy it gave me like i loved it and i sat there I thought, this is what lights me up it's it's all it's all this live music live dance and when I got that, I started improvisation theatre classes. 
so acting classes and um i absolutely loved it i i you know grew as a improv uh, theater uh, actor and, and but saw that i could just jump on stage and create a scene in the moment and i could be any character i wanted to be and it, it just felt so unreal again it, it it took me away from the role that i play in life to being anyone i wanted to be and uh, i also did more latin dance i used to do a lot of salsa etc and um, and that used it used to feel like a drug like i'd come home and the next day it's like oh, like this down this huge down from this huge elation it was just wonderful um so as i was doing more of that i started to it's it was interesting because it's i started to become more self-aware of myself and i started to see things about myself like when i go dancing there's some men that i feel really connected to and and i flow my body flows in the partner dance but there's some men that's like really stiff and they're usually going to me i'm the man let me lead and i'm like well lead then or you know it was just like oh, oh like you're too close or it was reflecting back to me things about myself and i could see later on when i questioned like what is that and journaled and meditated it was like yeah you you there's certain challenges with intimacy there for me and then when i went to improv theater it always turns out that the character i was always an aggressive character there was always this aggression in me and uh, when i did the same thing and questioned why because i was aware of this i realized oh you have unresolved anger and so these things were all reflecting back to me um parts of myself which i hadn't realized that i had because of ptsd so i suffered um, some trauma as a child that came from abuse and i had numbed it down so i wasn't aware of a lot of stuff i was very numb going through life i was very sort of um just wasn't aware of like the like a lot of my own emotions and this was all being reflected back to me and i did go to talk based therapies but i found that they didn't help me because i would talk around subjects and i would analyze oh my god i was like analyzing creams so i could analyze but it never kind of cut through until the creative arts like it mirrored back to me parts of myself which made me question and through the question i got an answer and then i could talk about things then i could like sort of go oh i'm feeling like this 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 is what you know i did aikido and i felt this weird Aikido is a Japanese martial arts and it was only through the martial arts that I actually experienced what anxiety felt like in the body like I feel the sensation and it was like somebody else had to say oh you're feeling anxious so like, oh that's what anxiousness feels like in the body right okay so it was all these sort of activities creative or movement activities that reflected back parts of myself and emotions and things that I could label and i got to a point and i thought you know what i've been so frustrated um because everything's in my world were black or white i was either happy or sad there wasn't all these other things that disappointed all these other meat things in the middle didn't exist and it felt quite frustrating um at this point because i just realized that there are probably so many people out there that they may feel that um when you go through abuse it, it it impacts your voice box it just impacts your voice there's a whole lot of research as to why and i don't know it but there is and so i just thought there's a whole lot of people out there who probably have been impacted by abuse and or, or, or whatever what other kind of trauma where they can't speak up and therefore talk based therapies don't always work for those people but what if they had access to things like art where if they drew things and then were asked certain questions they could see themselves or a part of their subconscious reflected back to them and what if while they were dancing they became more self aware or through acting allowed parts of themselves to be expressed that they wouldn't normally feel safe to express as themselves but if they were a different character it would feel more safe to express anger And so after that I thought I want to make what I've learned available to other people. I want other 
initially it was women and it was like I want my my whole thing was empowering women's self-expression through the creative arts right that became my thing and I started I ran two events with a, a friend called Teresa who and we got people in who led workshops on art or dance or drama and um you know we had two events and we had women come and experience all sorts of breakthroughs and also make all sorts of life decisions like I'm going to definitely step into art as my career or I, my relationship with my sisters got better and so it was like and I got wow it does work with other people whether they feel stuck or not it actually does work and then um I was talking to um tell you what, 20- before we go any further as well because that's yeah. probably one of the most epic introductions i've ever had on the <laughs> the feel inspiring podcast right that's like taken almost half the length of the podcast sorry. <laughs> no 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 don't say sorry but like i think there's, there's so much there that i want to kind of just delve in a little bit because um you, you obviously you've talked about for example the the coaching the the traveling mm-hmm. as well you, you mentioned this as well the you know the tra- transformation through traveling and um and now we've gone on to the improv and obviously using hearts as uh, hearts art as a form of healing as well so we've kind of gone through a whole spectrum of things there so during this whole process like I mean obviously you've been you've been through quite a lot you've you've had a lot of moments of self-realization um through all of this do you feel like you're where you are at now um is a huge reflection of this journey that you've been on like do you think that everything that's happened and especially the stuff that you've now done has had a massive impact on who you are today and do you think it's helped you heal some of that as well some of the challenges that you've had oh yeah definitely um definitely feel it's given me a sense of uh self-confidence and of being able to do um more things than i think i can do um and like it's definitely shown me my commitment and my passion and desire to help other people. Um, it's definitely helped uh, me to uh, voice my own self. Uh, having like done this whole journey, the next step was was me coming to the fact that I then did a TEDx talk, and to get on stage and to tell my story uh, was a massive uh, step and I wouldn't have got to that point of being able to tell my story to help other people if I hadn't done this journey myself yeah so yeah so carry on where you left off then so regarding the the getting people into this this um healing through the you know improv arts Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth and yeah it's the next stage was like I started to think okay I someone put me in contact with the ministry of Gender Affairs, sounds like a crazy title, but Ministry of Gender Affairs (laughs) on the the island of Dominica. And they were really interested in me running this kind of workshop to help the women there because they uh, suffer a lot of domestic violence. So they won't leave their partners who they're financially uh, rely rely on. So when the police come, they won't even tell the police because then they don't have like their, their financial supplies cut off. So the the government there wanted to uh, empower the women to step into entrepreneurship. So we were looking at how can I combine this process because they were looking at alternative ways to do this with entrepreneurship and deliver a program. And so where it got to was I was looking for funding. And one of the things I did was then uh, I actually came back from a three-week solo trip around Brazil And I felt that was a very healing journey. Um, That's another conversation in itself. But I came back from Brazil very connected to myself, very connected to my intuition and very connected to my creative power. We all have this creative power in in us. And sometimes when we're very aligned within, we make things happen faster by our words and by our actions and the opportunities that show up. And it felt like that moment where I thought I need to raise credibility in what I'm doing here with this creative arts workshops to get funding so I can then run this workshop in Dominica and other countries and get funding to run these workshops. And so I declared that I would do a TEDx talk um, by the end of, it was July 2019. And I said, December, by by the end of the year, I'm going to do one. I just threw it out just to 
get me in action. And funny enough, I connected with someone on Facebook that week who had TEDx in her title, uh, TEDx curator. So I said, oh, by the way, hey, how do you uh, find speakers? How do you select speakers? Uh, I just want to know so I can prepare myself to be one next year. So I already sold like chickened out because <laughs> I went next year. right? <laughs> and, um, and she was like, oh, why don't you send me over your idea? So I sent over my, I was like, I don't know, my idea is empowering women's self-expression through the creative arts. And she said, oh, can you send me a bit more about it? And can you send me some videos where you're talking so I can see what your onstage presence is like? So I said, okay. So I worked with this woman that I met on a, uh, a women's networking group who, um, who coaches people to be TEDx speakers. And she, she guided me on how to put this together. So I put it together, sent it across. And the lady came back to me and said, okay, we're full in TEDx Ljubljana, which is in the capital of Slovenia. She said, but I put you to a forward to a friend of mine in another town, Novo Mesto. And I thought, what? I said, no, 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 I don't want to talk right now. I just want to know what I need to do to become a speaker. <laughs> anyway, a month later, this lady contacts me and she really likes my idea. And she thinks, like, so when you're applying for TEDx events, they're really looking at what's going to make a difference to my people, right? So she's coming from a country where people have uh, war trauma. So Slovenia's got a lot of war trauma. People don't talk about it. It's there. Um, and it's just kind of the way of life, right? So she was thinking, oh, could you kind of bring that to us from the angle of trauma? And I thought, Oh, bloody hell, I don't want to talk about trauma. I'm not a trauma expert. And trauma sounds really scary. But <laughs> I was like, okay. So I gave her two ideas and I was kind of hoping she'd go more with uh, my chosen idea rather than trauma. And she chose trauma. So I was like, right, great. So then from like September to December, uh, I would have, uh, for the first few weeks, I had week a call with her every two weeks her and her team so what they were doing is that they were uh helping the speakers to craft their talk together so uh she'd listen to my idea and then she said okay what I want you to do now is go away and put your story into it right so that was my first hurdle because I thought oh no I have to be vulnerable and tell my story I have to tell people that about my background and my trauma. I don't want to do that. This is not just going to 100 people in the room. This is going to a million people on YouTube, family, friends, colleagues, ex-work colleagues. Like, they're all going to know, you know? I don't want them to know. <laughs> I've kept it so well, like, hidden. And so that was the first. And I worked with a friend of mine who'd already done a TEDx talk to help me craft that. So I did that. And then uh, I delivered it to them. And they said to me, are you reading this? I'm like, yes. They said, oh, can you go off and learn it off by heart? Oh, my God, okay. So I went off and learned it off by heart. Then came the next challenge. We don't have enough English-speaking coaches on our team, so we may have to take you off the, the list. And at that point, I felt relieved because I thought I don't have to tell my story, right? But I woke up the next morning, and it was like, no. this That's the first time I ever felt what might be similar to what people say like when they say it's a calling like because it was like no this isn't about you this talk is about the difference you wanted to make to those people that talk-based therapies don't work for and you wanted to give them a different you wanted to show them that there is a different method that's who this talk is about so like your go do what you need to do. So I ended up talking to the, the coach who from the women's network and she said, you tell them I'm going to coach you. And this woman charges £10,000 and she didn't charge me. She just worked with me. And the wow. initial lady that I spoke to, she said, I'll come on the calls and translate for you. So it's like I had a team and everything that was meant to be my calling was pulling me forward, even through these sort of like hurdles. So I went back to the lady and I said, this lady's going to coach me and this person's going to come on the calls. And she couldn't say no. She was like, okay. So I worked with her all the way up to December. 
And I'll tell you, some of the challenges I had was like feeling like an imposter. The imposter syndrome was... Imposter syndrome is massive, right? So I, massive. Because I didn't classify myself as an expert, not in trauma, not in the creative arts, not in... But I had this idea and I had tested it and I had... And it worked for me. And I had to get my mindset to the fact that the expertise is mine, the fact that it worked. And so I got, I had good people around me, very encouraging friends around me that uh, like encouraged me to keep going and coached me out of that imposter syndrome. And then like I got there, I flew to Slovenia and I was, I was now my self-sabotage was showing up. I was late to the airport. I didn't print my uh, ticket off. So she said, no, don't worry. And I've bumped you up to first class. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then, you know, along the journey, like someone comes along and goes, let me carry your suitcase. I said, okay. You know, so all these little things that I'm scared, I want to run, but everything is like the universe is going, no, we're going to make this, uh, like, we're going to help you through this. And I got there. I got to the event and um, we practiced on stage the night before. And what was interesting was everyone spoke Slovenian and I was the only one that spoke in English. And so that was quite an experience in itself. And um, it was great. Um, and uh, they had a speaker coach there that worked with us a little bit. I had my speaker coach that I worked with. Um, I also ended up uh, coaching or doing a healing session with one of the other um, speakers because she was very nervous. So we did a grounding session with her, which was brilliant because got to know the other speakers that way. And um, I learned all these different ways to calm the nerves, to elocute, elo um, elo I can't even speak, uh, for, for voice elocution, to yeah. stay grounded. And, um, you know, the next day I'd practice my talk and I was taught this crazy method by one of the other women, which is called shaking, right? So it's a it's a trauma release exercise, which I thought you did only when you had trauma, but she was told by an actress to do it while you're practicing your lines. So there I was in the morning reading my script twice and shaking to, to like, I don't know, embed it in my memory or whatever, but I did it. And after that, I stopped and I went I got there, my makeup was done, my hair was done, I felt like a million dollars, and I went on that stage when they called my name out. I was nervous. The first few seconds, I was really nervous, and then I generally got into my flow, and I really loved it. I really enjoyed um, sharing my message. Um, what was funny was um, uh, my sweater. I have a little black sweater that I was wearing. And it was hanging. I had. I thought I took it off when I sat on the ch chair. And when I went up on the stage, it was hanging off the back of my mic thing at the back of at the back of me. So it looks like I got a tail. When you watch my <laughs> TEDx talk on YouTube, you'll see I've got a tail. And then at some point, it dropped and fell on the ground. And so I'm walking, moving, and I could feel something underneath my feet while I'm talking. And I realized <laughs> it's my. So I'm not on my own. There's my little comfy sweater on the on the red dot with me. And it was just. One of those moments where some people might have got upset and said, oh, should I take this off? Should we remove it from the video? And I said, no, keep it. It's very natural. Um, it's quite funny. Um, but that was probably like once I finished and got off that stage, it was just one of the most incredible moments was to have people come up to me and say, oh, my dad doesn't understand much English, but he understood everything you said. And another woman came up to me and said, I could really relate to things that you shared. And now I'm going to start looking at going to the gym or someone else, you know, like some of the things that I had shared in the talk about things to do from the creative perspective, people were coming up to me and going, I'm going to, I'm going to take this on, or I'm going to try this. And, and I've literally had that for the last almost uh, 20, you know, two years. I've still get emails saying I've just watched your talk and uh, there was a guy that emailed me and said, I watched your talk and now I'm using it to help a friend of mine that's been through something similar. So the thing about doing a, a, anyone that's considering doing one is that it becomes your your legacy. One, it becomes your legacy and your uh, CV for your message. 
that you want to get out there and your brand that you want to get out there. But it's, it's just so rewarding to get messages back to say, it's made a difference to me. And I, and I love that. So uh, that was kind of my long-winded answer to your question of how I got to uh, being on the TEDx stage um, and a TEDx speaker. And then a year later, uh, in 2020, uh, December, it was a year anniversary and it was COVID. And I decided, um, you know, I want to celebrate. How do I celebrate one year of doing my TEDx talk? And a friend of mine, Gurdjit, she said, why don't you, why don't you do a workshop? A masterclass and just give it away. And I said, okay. So I did. A, I set up a masterclass uh, to give away to others that it's really possible to share your idea with the world. So here's a TEDx masterclass of how to get onto the stage. Um, and then they became so popular that I just kept on doing them. And then created a couple of programs for putting the pitch together, putting your talk together, and helping people to get on the stage. And it's very rewarding. One, it's a rewarding, but two, like, my God, everyone's got a story in them. You know, you hear that, but everyone has a story in them. People people came on the masterclass and they were just, I don't know what I'd talk about. And then you delve in and you're like, well, that, you can talk about that. that that's great. And everyone's like, really? It's like, well, yeah, you know, and it's, it's great. It's just one of the most rewarding things that I get to do. And it's such a breakthrough for someone that, didn't feel connected to their authentic uh, self-expression and voice and then enabling other people to do that either through creative art programs or um, through getting on a TEDx stage and um, yeah so the next thing now is uh, enabling people to travel uh, to do solo travel is the is all part of the self-expression kind of uh banner under the self-expression banner as well what an amazing i think what an amazing story and what you've been through and then to do something like this and uh, again several things that come out of this what you just said one is the whole kind of idea of setting this intention and being able to make it happen um uh, and two facing probably was one of your bigger fears which is obviously getting in front of like you know people and especially you know it's different when you're performing but actually to speak to an audience is actually a very different thing. It's a very challenging thing. Can um, I say something about that, Amit? <coughs> Please do, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that I know I learned there's a difference and I learned this in myself as well. When I when I can, when I get on stage and perform and I'm someone else, it's easy. When I get on stage and deliver a corporate presentation, it's easy, facts. Getting on stage and doing the vulnerable thing and talking about yourself, for me, that was that was the nerve-wracking thing. So that's one thing. And the second thing is doing a TEDx talk is very different to doing like a keynote speech, keynote speech or uh, any other kind of talk because the emphasis is really the idea worth spreading, not like, you know, talking about your business or, uh, you know, talking about um, something related to work or something like that. So there, So there are... It was very different because you had to keep it. And Ted has a has a um, like a like key rules, certain rules that you have to follow when you deliver your talk. But yeah, uh, you definitely uh, definitely saw that talking um, about and being vulnerable was was really challenging in front of always keeping in mind that I'm not just talking to the hundred people in the room. I'm talking to a million people that are going to watch on YouTube. Yeah, it's so true, right? Because you just don't know when your message is going to have an impact or just suddenly go viral. And that's happened to so many people who've done TED Talks, right? You know, they went, they they did it, it went up and there were, initially there was probably not much traction or whatever. And then suddenly that talk just goes boom, viral and it goes yeah. absolutely crazy. Um, uh, I, I know a few people have talked about this as well. And one of them, one of my favorite TED Talks of all time was by a gentleman who's passed away now, but Sir Ken Robinson. Yeah. And, um, you know, his talk obviously, you know, was one of the most watched TED Talks ever. And um, I interviewed him actually on my one of my radio shows back in the day, and he was talking Did about you? That. yeah, and because he and I shared the same birthday, so I used that as a lead in when I pitched him to get him on my radio <laughs> show. Brilliant. 
bless him obviously he passed away a couple of years ago um but he was such a lovely guy and you know he was talking about how he was in at the time was in competition with uh uh you know as being one of the most watched you know youtube videos and in competition with some bunch of cats or something <laughs> he had a brilliant sense of humor he did he did he did um, but again you know like that really i mean he's he's always been well known but obviously that skyrocketed his profile from being you know, locally well-known to being worldwide famous. Um, and he had a brilliant message to share as well about edu yeah. education and so on. And so it just goes to show you never know where and when your audience, you know, your, your audience is going to be reached and how, and, uh, and this is the power of it. I'm definitely going to pick your brain more as well. Cause I think it's on my bucket list to do a Ted talk. And as you know, right. Whenever I send a, a message to all my podcast guests and I say, what do you want the title to be? And I always say to them, you know, think of your ideal Ted talk. What is it you want to really want to talk about? Because, it comes from you. It's about you. It's about your story, your journey up until this point, you know, all the things you've been through. And we, we forget sometimes just how much that can have an impact on people, how much that, you know, people need to hear sometimes, Oh, Holy crap. Someone's been through something similar to me, or if they could do it, I could do it or mm -hmm. you know, anything of the like, pick your, pick your, uh, uh, pick your juice there and that that that's what happens so yeah so um and what i'm going to do by the way i will make sure that i tag your ted video in the um uh links afterwards and i'm just going to do a very quick apology right now as well i know this is live and i probably shouldn't be doing it but for some reason i just noticed when i was looking on facebook um the title that came up on the video was new year is special offer matchmaking silver server i don't know how this has happened it should, have been, it should have been as it says on the top of the screen yeah how to become a tedx i have no idea like i am completely lost on how this happened so some people are joining this talk probably thinking what is going on right now like are you talking about matchmaking it's it's fortunate that i spotted it and i was like oh my god what's happened yeah honestly like i mean i have no clue how this has happened i'm a technical person as well but <laughs> So for anyone who's expecting talks about matchmaking right now, uh, no, it's not happening. <laughs> this is about becoming a TEDx speaker Sorry. and finding finding your story and being able to tell your story as well. Like, I think that's a that's a big thing in itself. Right. You know, like, uh, you know, I, obviously I ingested that's probably one of the most epic introductions. And I think but actually I, I joke, but that in testament is a testament to you just telling your story. And just, yeah. just thinking, let me go with it. Let me just go with the flow and just tell everyone about my life story. And that's okay. And that's perfect. And like, it just goes to show, because normally you ask people that question and usually it's over in about two minutes. Um, but you just kind of went on this flow of just, you know, telling everyone what you've been through up until this point. Oh, and I think that's a beautiful thing. What's your journey, Amit? So that was my journey. <laughs> <laughs> but literally though, like some people I ask that question and some, and again, like there's no offense to anyone at all, or like, you know, not taking away yeah. anything from anyone. But sometimes I ask people that question and it's a two minute answer and you've definitely smashed any kind of record in that as well. You know, like over 40 minutes or something, which brilliant, no, but absolutely brilliant. Can I um, just clarify something there? You know, when yeah. we when we talk about doing TEDx, it, it isn't TEDx isn't really about telling your story. Right. TEDx is about sharing an idea that you think is worth spreading. But sometimes that idea comes from either our own life experiences, like minded, or it can come from, uh, you think you have a, a, a solution to a problem that is out there in the world, and you've done your research, and or you've questioned people, and you've got the answers, and you wanna share your this as the solution. <coughs> I mean, TED stands for technology, entertainment, and design. So usually they're looking for you know, talks around, ideas around technology, entertainment and design. They have the education piece now and they also have the climate change piece now. But there are a lot of talks on mental health and things like that, which you can kind of um, tie under one of those, either related to tech or uh, entertainment or design. But generally, that's what it's about. And I guess one of the reasons why I gave such a long introduction as well is to show you that there was a journey that Kate, that led to an idea and then it was the idea that I wanted to spread so if it was just about me uh, I would have stopped at when they said no because I was shit scared about sharing my story but it wasn't about me my story was just that little bit in there to say this is the evidence to back up this idea that I have 
And that idea is going to make, like, I think that will work for other people in the world. So it, so if anyone's thinking about it, that's listening, really have a look at what keeps you up at night. You know, what, what's, do you think you have a solution to a problem that's going on in the world that you want to share on a TEDx stage? Or, you know, uh, you have an idea that you think is worth spreading that, may solve resolve something in climate change or in education or you know like ken robinson's so ken robinson's talk was so simple like schools are killing creativity mm. we need creative that was literally his idea right yeah but everything else was delivery like he made it he made teachers that go to a uh, a, a school uh, meeting funny yeah, so, or discotheque. Got the, yeah, the, the, and all they do is bubble their heads around. <laughs> <laughs> but every every mo- bit of movement from their body is completely devoid. <laughs> exactly. So all it is is, like, your idea could be so simple, but, you know, if you work with somebody um, to f- somebody on the way it's delivered, you know, it could, it could really uh, create an impact out there. It could create the desired impact you want, or it could be... Uh, you know, it might be what your business, um, the, the the solution that your business provides, but you believe in it so much. And you don't talk about the business and you don't, but you talk about that idea and you give the evidence and, you know, stats are good, quotes are good. Um, maybe a couple of examples from your life or what you've seen are good um, to back it up. And it doesn't have to be long. The shortest, the funniest and the shortest TEDx talk was about three or four minutes and it's was that the one where he talks about uh how to do a te- like a ted talk you pause and then no. was it not that one oh because because that one is brilliant by the way again if anyone hasn't seen that it's fantastic <laughs> that one's funny but this one is like how to only use one paper towel to dry your hands and this nice. guy he's got this table and he's got water and paper towel and he literally soaks his hand and he gets this one paper towel he wipes his hand he folds it the paper towel one way wipes his hand folds a paper towel the other way, wipes his hand and puts it in the bin. And he does it three times to demonstrate the point. That is how you save paper towels and how you save the world, you know, like all of that. So you see the idea is so simple, but the delivery is could be very engaging, could be very interesting. So there's a few things to think about when you're doing your talk. Well, my idea is all around dating, of course, naturally, as it would be. And it's around making dating fun again. And because uh, I yeah. think that that's, yeah, I, I think, uh, I, you know, I put up a, a, t- a TikTok video and I think this is more, there's actually, when I did this video, I didn't give, I just did it like it was one a random one late at night. But actually, I think there's a lot to be said for the idea. And that I put, I said that it's, you know, one of the biggest secrets around dating is that the reason we have so many issues right now is because in the old fashioned days, we say old fashioned as a bit of a poor term, but in the old fashioned days, we knew our roles. We knew what we were supposed to do. And because everyone knew what they were supposed to do, dating was easy. But because, and not to say that equality is a bad thing, but because we have this now notion of equality and, you know, de- redefine gender roles, et cetera, no one knows what to do anymore. And because mm. no one knows what to do, dating has become a pain in the ass for most people. Whereas, Obviously, I retrain people to remind them of what our roles can be, what we can choose to do. Uh, and it can be incredibly, exceptionally fun. And it doesn't mm. have to be boring and mundane and a rote routine where you just ask and interrogate the other person with, you know, a set number of questions of how are you? What do you do? Where are you from? Where do you, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And we can we can make it so joyous. And, you know, and I will say to everyone that for me, my, my dating journey was... Um, uh, such that you know, like I got to a point where I loved dating so much, I almost didn't want to meet someone twice. Two in two very separate scenarios, uh, I met someone. The second one, of course, being my wife, and I was like, you know, she was like, like, let's get serious. Like, of course, you know, I joke a little bit, but she's like, let's get serious, and I'm like, oh, I'm just loving dating, though. Do we have to? And you know, that's kind of how it rolled, though. Um, was I almost wanted to remain single because I was having so much fun doing it, and mm. such a shame that. I see some of these videos by these millennials and Gen Zs on TikTok and they're so miserable and so down on dating, but you don't have to be like that. You really don't. No, I haven't dated in a while because I'm in a relationship. So I, I haven't dated in a while. So I don't know what it's, what, 
But I remember yeah, but when it was I, more recent than I. I mean, the last time I actually dated was back in 2015. But I, even then, I was on dating apps like Plenty of Fish, Tinder, etc. And yeah, all of that swipe dating was, you know, was fully in existence <laughs> at that point in time. So it's it's certainly possible for everyone. But I think we just we get so caught up in the grind and just the yeah. It's so funny, I met though, because you know, I was when you were talking about dating, I was thinking, gosh, in my 20s, it was so painful. That whole question, like I, it was like, what do you do? What did your mom do? What did your dad do? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so Pretty much sums it up. Questions to get to know somebody, but very yeah. probably most mostly influenced by the arranged marriage kind of culture. But it was just very uninspiring when I think back now. Like, what do you do? What did your mom do? What did your dad do? What village are you from? What um what did you do in your spare time? Uh, what kind of movies do you like? It was it's like okay. It, it, it's so funny you should say that because it's exactly one of the things I talk about, especially in South Asian culture, because we've not been brought up with dating. That is, our parents never did it. So no one's actually ever told us what dating can be like. Whereas our English counterparts, for example, perhaps their grandparents told stories of how they were, you know, would their grandmother or would yeah. their grandfather, whatever. So they have some idea, right? There's this romantic notion associated with yeah. so some idea, whereas we weren't born with that. So yeah. I had to go learn this all by myself. And then, you know, I made it my mission in life to teach other people that they can have oh, fun. Oh, brilliant. And so, yeah, so I think that would be that would be my my ideal TED talk would be something to put well, to put the fun back into dating or something like that or making fake dating fun, not formal. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, I may be um, I am doing a program in Feb uh, towards the end of Feb. So you should uh, we should talk. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, absolutely. Yeah, count me. Count me in. Count me in. Fantastic. Let, we'll, yeah. we'll do that. And I want to get on the I want to get on the big TED stage, not just the X's. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> we'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just teasing. No. Uh, but yeah, some of those, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I do I do watch a lot of TED talks and uh, I absolutely love them. And uh, you know, for anyone out there, uh, by the way, like I said, I will include Vishali's TED talk in the link as well. I've just literally brought it up on the screen, so it reminds me to do it. Um, uh, it was TEDx Novomesto. Is that right? Did I say that right? Yeah, yes, yeah. and the title of the talk as well, if you want to search for it yourself, is Your Body's Intelligence. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. So, um, I have a confession to make at this point, I haven't actually seen your TED talk yet, so I'm gonna make sure I watch it. I know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? If you like it, leave a comment. I'm sh shamelessly asking for that. <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna leave a comment saying, please, oh, this is amazing. Please can I have the autograph or <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, brilliant. No, you've yeah. been you've been you've been an absolutely brilliant guest, I have to say, Vishali, and it's been a wonderful pleasure having you on. Uh and um and no doubt we will talk more about uh, the other things you mentioned as well that we haven't delved into, like your trip around Brazil. And and I think this idea as well, I, I do want to go into this idea about traveling because I, you know, I'm not much of a travel, I haven't done much traveling up until this point, but I, you know. Um, and I've got to be honest, I'm not a huge traveler as well. I like to go on holidays, but I'm not a huge traveler. Um, but I think I'd love to learn more about it because like what you just mentioned as well about, you know, you know, grabbing, you know, finding some random strangers and hiring a car and going across, you know, New Zealand. I think that's like, to me, that's just amazing. You know, I love that idea and being able to kind of share that idea with youngsters in this day and age that you can go and have some adventures and do it safely and fun and yeah. Hopefully when the world returns to some kind of sense of normality and everything is opened up and you can go go start enjoying that kind of stuff again. The thing is you can start now. Um, yeah. You can start now. You can, solo travel doesn't have to be going to the other side of the world. You can do it in your own country, in your own city. Just go and explore parts that you've never seen. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be big like that until you're comfortable with it. So, yeah, I... I'm a big advocate for people, especially women traveling solo. I keep honing it down to women, but I do get a lot of men that read my blog and interested in my travel stories, which is really interesting um, because I mainly try to encourage and support women to do it because I feel that there's a more fear there um, traveling as a lone woman. But uh, I interviewed 30 women for a book that I'm um, having come out in a couple of months. And it's te them telling their stories of how they traveled solo and the, the transformations they experienced. So it's less about the location, but more about the inner journey. Hmm. And 
Oh, no, I was just going to say, so tell us what, what's the name of the book and when is it coming out, when people can be um, expect it? I haven't named it yet. I have a few, like, um, uh, names uh, going on at the moment, and I'm just, like, going through the editing process of it, which is so inspiring to, one, initially get the stories and then, two, read them again. Um, and, like, gosh, some of the stories, like some women, you know, one woman, um, uh, it's not available yet. Sorry, just to answer your question. It's not available yet, but when it will be, um, I'll definitely let you know. Um, and it will be on my Instagram uh, page as well. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it's just incredible. Like some people think solo travel is just you go, you get your backpack and you go around um, the world and you might see things and then you come back a little different and you make you might make a different life decision but actually some of the women that i interviewed they're your everyday women they one of them um planned to end her life on a solo travel trip so she was in canada she was a, a theater uh, she did musical theater but lost her voice and got divorced and she kind of was at a really low point and she decided she was going to go to spain max out her credit card and end her life and as it turns out, mum found out she ended up going to Spain, but actually learning to love her life, her parts of like her strengths and stuff. And she ended up um, she ended up going back to Canada and becoming an actress and pursuing that dream. And another woman who uh, was an air steward. And she would take 60 day trips at a time where she was away from home for, I think it's 60 days. And she did that because what she, she um, was learning to build her resilience and her strengths to leave her husband where she was experiencing domestic violence. So she was using it as a, uh, I guess, a space where she could build the confidence in herself to be by herself. Yeah. You know, then there were women who, uh, you know, completely changed their career as a result of, you know, going to uh, Scotland and had an interview with the dean for a university who said, you know, you need to bring your self-expression to your psychology doctorate. And so she bought this music, she tapped into music, and now she's a musician and she does songs for mental health. So she come, you know, like it's it's things that they discovered about themselves that they then were able to combine with what they were originally doing. One of them met, met, you know, the love of her life and is married now for 11 years. And there's just so many beautiful stories about what you can do on a solo travel trip. And solo, a lot of people that you talk to doesn't always mean solo because you end up meeting people or you end up doing a, a tour, right? So some areas in the world, I wouldn't go on my own. When I went to Western Australia, um, up in the northern northwest of Australia, um, there's not much infrastructure. So I went with a tour company, but I had to be with a group of strangers on my own and get to know them and all the things like that. So you're never really on your own. Uh, uh, there's always a, a sense of adventure, um, whatever way you choose to have it. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and you've got something dropping as well on the 22nd of Feb, but uh, that's a surprise for you. Which is wonderful. So for anyone out there who's loved your story today and the ideas that you shared, um, where can they reach out to you? So um, at the moment, I have my Instagram page, which is Vaishali, V-A-I-S-H-A-L-I underscore TEDx. So feel free to follow me. Feel free to send me a message, ask me questions. Um, and I think that's probably the best place at this stage uh, to, to contact me lovely i'll make sure i include the link to that as well so yeah. it's been a pleasure having you on actually i've really enjoyed our conversation today i've loved learning and funny enough even though we've known each other for so long i actually learned some things about you today that i didn't know so so it's been a fascinating conversation today i've really enjoyed it oh me too and i can't wait to to like work with you on your talk and get you on that ted stage that's it that's <laughs> i'll be i'll be there i'll be there like the thunder baby um <laughs> I, I, <laughs> No, honestly, I've got so much to say, and so uh, so they, they're gonna have to try and drag me off. The if they ever put me on, they'd have to try and drag me off the stage. I think. Yeah, I think that's gonna start with me going. No, you, no, no, no. Yes. Yeah, Don't try and do it your way, Amit. 
(laughs) (laughs) probably um uh uh, and yeah no i think we've got everything we wanted to know so i just wanted to leave you with saying by saying firstly thank you for coming on thank you for sharing all those lovely uh insights and um to anyone else watching you've been listening to the feelings by podcast if you've just joined at the end don't worry this will all be uploaded and you can listen on all of the major podcasting platforms very shortly and i will update the video so it's actually got all the official stuff and it just doesn't say oh look matchmaking special offer Honestly, I am so perplexed. When I saw that come up, I I, I got distracted for a second. I was like, huh? <laughs> it's very bizarre. I have no idea how this happened. I've got to try and figure this out so it doesn't happen on any future ones. But anyway. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a future career for me to become a matchmaker. Who knows? It could be. We can swap places as well, if you like. <laughs> You can do the making. I'll go do the, the TED stuff. Oh dear. It's been fun. It's been so much fun. Thank you again, Vishali. And definitely, I'm sure we're going to have you on again at some point in the very near future. I'd love that. Thank you so much, Amit, for the opportunity. Right. Oh, you think you too. Thank you. Stay with me. I'm going to end the live and to everyone else as well. I uh, hope you all feel inspired after that. And I'll see you on the next episode, which is going to be Thursday the 10th with an incredible entrepreneur coming on the show as well. So Thursday the 10th at 4 p.m. I'll see you all on the next episode. Ciao.